0: Listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below.
1: To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective.
0: Welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastor-scholars study a scripture passage often drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Uh, We hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I uh, teach uh, New Testament and spiritual formation at Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Elaine Bernius. She's professor of Bible with specialty in Old Testament and Hebrew, uh, here also at Indiana Wesleyan, my immediate neighbor in the office. And she's here to uh, discuss Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, though we'll certainly expand the context as always happens, but 21 through 17 is the um, lectionary reading. And yeah, so you can find, Elaine's been on the show I think once or twice before, but it's been a little bit, so we're excited to have her back on and... Uh, is your Ruth commentary out? Would that be the thing to Esther? Excuse me.
1: Yep, it's in the Ruth Song of Songs Esther volume. Okay, I'm Esther.
0: You're the Esther one. That's yes. out. Yes. Yes. In in the Beacon
1: New Beacon New Beacon
0: mm-hmm. commentary series. So you'll want to check that out. Her commentary along with others in one volume on Ruth Song of Songs, Song of Songs Esther. Esther. Okay. Mm. Uh, I see the logic of that. All right.
1: Yeah, the girl books. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> oh, that's how I referred to it before. I waited for you to say it. <laughs> it's all good. So all right. Sarah Colson Dirk is, okay. is in there. And great. then and then Joseph Colson as well. So Great, great.
0: Yeah, so if you're enjoying the show today, make sure to press the share button on your podcast player app and get the word out about the show. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Elaine. Uh, So Exodus 21 through 17, would you be willing to read the passage in whatever version you have with you today? Glad to. Awesome.
1: And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word, for these uh, 10 words uh, that you uh, spoke from your mouth on the mountain Sinai or Horeb, and were received by your people. And we just ask that as Elaine and I enter in uh, to a conversation um, about this um, holy text, that you would grant us the grace to uh, hear your word and to receive it with gladness and to perceive uh, what words of our own need to be said uh, this hour. And then also with that, the words that are uh, to be said by all those listening in as they consider how they're going to carry your word um, in their spaces. So we pray this all in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I, I I imagine you've read this text before, but in order to make it fresh, I'll still ask you, you know, what are you noticing? What's, what's standing on the page to you today for whatever reason?
1: The, Lord, your God kept coming mm. out, um, and I was, I was noticing that um, multiple times in the text that he keeps reminding them already as he's, I mean, that goes all the way back to 19, of course, but starting in 2, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, out of your lives of slavery. Um, And that gets repeated several times as he's reminding them once again that he is the Lord their God. The relationship there is already established. Back in 19.3, he already brought them to himself. Stop. Now, if you obey me, right? That's looking, that that condition is forward towards what he's going to form them into. That was popping out here to me that time as I read it. I think one time I realized, oh, no, I didn't put the emphasis on the Lord your God. It was in 12. I didn't put the emphasis ah, there. Well, but
0: emphasis is mm-hmm. uh in is hermeneutical. It is. Uh it is. I think let me test this. Every time Elohim appears, God, it is with a your, except for in the narrative of verse one. Right? I am the Lord your God, two, mm-hmm. and then five, five mm-hmm. I I the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God.
1: That's Ale, right?
0: Okay, El or Elohim. A, okay, kane
1: El. No, the the jealous God there. Oh, okay, so that would is an, be an El kana, right? So
0: there we go. That mm-hmm. wouldn't that wouldn't be your mm-hmm. um, seven. Seven is the Lord your God, right? So it's only whenever it's attached to ten. the Lord though. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten, ten, the Lord your God, God. and then uh, twelve, 12. Mm-hmm. the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. So the only other time is. Yeah, in the narrative of verse 1 as well as uh, the jealous God line. Right. But, yeah, I mean, that's striking. It is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not just because I am the God or exactly. a God. Right. You know.
1: I am the Lord, your God, um, predicated on Exodus 6. Mm-hmm. You know, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I mean, as he's walking through there. What he's going to do it's all about the fact that he's already established that relationship with them and again in 19 you have seen what i've done how i carried you on ingles wing it's brought you to myself stop
0: is you know? there significance and tell me if it's a silly question but or unanswerable i suppose uh is there any significance that the the discourse the speak the speaking mm-hmm. It, it this is true a bit in 19 as well um not only but in in the discourse the word the tetragrammaton lord is used more frequently mm-hmm. and yet el or elohim is being used in the narrative and god spoke all these words mm-hmm. like does that matter or am i you know you you get whereas like it's almost predominantly the proper name of God being used in the, in the, in the speaking, you know, it's like dominating, but the narrator wants to say the word God rather than the Lord. Why isn't it? And the Lord spoke all these things. Yeah,
1: Well, and it is, I mean, back up immediately before in 21, Mm -hmm. um, 23, 24. And then again, when it picks back up in 22, and the, Lord, the said, Lord said. So, I mean, I mean, there's nothing, I don't want to yeah. make too much out well, of it. Well, I mean, I was uses just, of names of God, of course, you know, go into documentary hypothesis. Yeah. They, kind of stuff. And is, you know, it's, a, or looking at a different source, you know, that, that's utilizing different sources that are even in the, in the framework, you know, in the narrative part. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I won't, I, I haven't. Dug back into those strands at this particular. I was only thinking if there was if there
0: was any pattern to it Um, in the difference between narrative and speaking, but I don't think so. It's just peculiar to this moment. I don't know. It's just all this. It's just so good. It <laughs> you and I might we we could just do verse one, if you oh, want. Oh, we probably could.
1: Oh, no, let's do verse two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, or maybe uh,
0: actually now. verse uh, thirteen, because my recollection is.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll be preaching on verse thirteen soon. Yeah, so yeah. That, I
0: think that was part of how I tricked Elaine into uh, coming on the show. But <laughs> so we'll 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 end up there eventually. Sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we can go there if you want straight away i mean there is something significant in i mean something clearly happens between i mean the form uh prior to you shall not murder they're all just longer they are and that's not you know to be ignored sure i mean you could say verse 3 is is uh, verse 3 is a short one but mm-hmm. i mean you know the thou shalt there's actually you know, three or four, between three and six. I mean, there's a lot of ways to splice how we think of how many commands are there. Sure. <laughs> right?
1: Fair, yes. Um,
0: there's three commands in in linked with the Sabbath. You right. Know, between eight and 11, mm-hmm. right? So the notion of, you know, that there are 10 distinct right. ones here is a little... When was that first asserted that there're 10? Cuz it doesn't um, refer to itself that way. You always in, love it when you in, open it up and the heading says the 10 it. commandments. <laughs> and you're like, "Well, I don't see the word commandments. I see the word words."
1: Is it chap- and I don't see 10. Is it chapter 31 where you first get 10
0: when it's the tablets?
1: Or no. It's not 30. No, it's not 31. Um it might be on yeah, on the tablets. 30 I was just talking to someone about chapter 31 a little while ago. That's where so it fresh. that's what That's why 31 jumped in my head. I don't remember, but there's a uh, there's a point at which it does say the 10 words. Mm. Um, okay. But I'm not remembering off the top of my head where that so is. So they
0: do get referred to that as, way. As
1: 10, yes. Um, but of course, you know, how it's been broken, you know, Jewish tradition. Jewish right. tradition breaks them differently. So verse 2 is considered the first command. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, which to us doesn't even sound like a command, right? It sounds like the preamble, um, which is why we don't often think of cha- verse two as the first command. But in Jewish tradition, verse two is the first command, and then three through six become the second command grouped together. Um, so the command, the implied, what's the implied command of I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of slavery, out of the, house, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery? That's my question to you, John. What's the implied command?
0: I mean, I suppose I can't help but like. I mean, this is this is probably reading. I'm teaching Paul this semester, so like, I immediately was like, "Oh, it's the command of faith (laughs) 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 to believe that that's true." Yes. (laughs) To keep on being faithful to it, not Mm -hmm. just faith in the sense of an uh, intellectual assent, but right, right, to be. Faithful and loyal
1: mm-hmm.
0: to the fact that this is who I am, right? It's right. to receive my identity yes. from Him, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Say. And
1: it, that thinking of that though, in to- stopping to think of that in this moment, also then gives us more to ponder as we read through the law. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the number of times in Leviticus that we get this, you know, just kind of statement of divine self-revelation. You're hearing a bunch of laws, and then all of a sudden, I am the Lord your God. Mm just get stated, Um, not a because I am the Lord your God, just I am the Lord your God. And it can feel very random. And I think reflecting on that here brings us exactly, brings me, I've landed exactly where you are, this statement of one, before we can or will respond in any way to God, we have to recognize who he is. I am the Lord, and it's not just I am the Lord. It's then I am the Lord your God. I mean, mm-hmm. in, the, in the other commands, I mean, it's just I am the Lord, um, but here the fact that but it's that I functions am the Lord. as
0: shorthand for the whole thing, exactly. I and even the so. narrative: totally. I am the Lord your God, who brought who you brought out me. of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So, uh, uh, Patrick Miller uh, has a, a lovely article where he said if we were to, if we were to edit the Apostles' Creed, which is kind of hard to do, but one you could rank a really good case for is. To say, you know, I believe in God, the father almighty, maker of heaven and earth, who brought Israel out of the land of Egypt, yep. out of the house of slavery, right? That like that, that's Absolutely. part so core to the identity of God Absolutely. and therefore our identity mm-hmm. that's skipping that covenant history and jumping straight then to the New Testament material. I mean, it's assumed in right. the language that calling Jesus the Christ bring implies all of that. But I don't know. I just love that because then that, that it, ironically, we think of the, you know, the two, tables of the law being the loving of God, loving neighbor. But it's kind of nice to think, well, actually, first, there's the command to faith, right? To right. believe that he loves us. Yes. Because right? the we can't love him until we actually trust that he loves, that he loves us, us, or otherwise we won't be loving him. We'll just be transaction, be engaging in a transactional relationship. Right.
1: And so the fact that he calls himself at this moment, the Lord, your God, he's already claiming them as his, right? He's already extending that love to them. And then he's showing them how that love has already lived out in their lives. Um, and so then that that building that trust then helps us read all the rest of these commands as pictures of revelation of who he is, right? I mean, it's not, they, they don't begin to contain all of who he is, um but i off, i've i um heard once and i fortunately can't even know who i should attribute this to which is good cuz i you know responded so negatively to it but this idea of the i am the lord statements in the law um functioning as a um you know well because i said so kind of a parent because mm. i said so oh and i think what what a hollow and mm-hmm. transactional way to almost phrase that as opposed to this idea that Arbitrary these, are, authority. these are pictures of my self revelation to you i'm I'm asking I'm telling you what to do and what not to do because these are things this is who I am, this is what I care about for you because I am the God who made you, going back to the Apostles Creed, who you know the God who made heaven and earth, but I'm also the God who has redeemed you, has brought you out of your slavery,
0: yeah. yeah. It's lovely the full covenantal context of the
1: Absolutely.
0: of the commands. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and explore it some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with uh, Elaine Bernius and we're looking at Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 17. Yeah, so I was thinking about how we're doing a, a a series on the 10 commandments at the chapel here at Indiana Wesleyan University and so for some of you who might be actually following the lectionary maybe even preaching the Old Testament lessons during Lent this is this is a there's this kind of quick journey through a bunch of highlights in the Old Testament there's the Noah covenant we did 2 week 2 weeks back and uh, the Circumcision Covenant with Abraham and Sarah uh, with Amy Peeler just last week and now Ten Commandments. So we're kind of hitting these next week with Ken Shank and the the serpent in the wilderness. So it's like these kind of key moments uh, that are all kind of connected to New Testament passages, although we've just been studying them on their own terms. But So if you're going through those, then you're going to want to say something about the whole Ten Commandments. And I think the introductory stuff that you got from Elaine just today about about verse two is really crucial that kind of context to think about how commandments work she happens to be preaching on you shall not murder (laughs) yay (laughs) so we divide we got a 10-week series but part of her responsibility then is going to be the kind of she did the the first week intro to the whole and now it's kind of okay now let's transition from the first half these longer commandments that have more detail that are seem to be more about God directly, more revel- revel- clearly revelatory of his character, his jealousy, his his desire to rest and give rest, all that stuff, right? But then, and his name and, you know. And then now it's like, oh, kind of standard. To me, it just looks like, hey, you can find this in any code, right? So why why these? Why this order? Why does it, like, what's the shift that's happening here? How would you go about describing the shift be- between that, those first set of longer, for now we'll just call them the longer laws and the shorter laws to not uh, cook the books and privilege one particular interpretation of the difference. But um, just th- thoughts on just that shift? I don't know.
1: Um, great. I mean, you know, the the shift to toward love neighbor, which, you know, actually maybe already starts back in Sabbath, honestly, because right. you— your thinking of Sabbath makes you look at all whom you might have privilege over to demand work. You can't even demand work from anyone, right? You we we aren't just ones who rest, mm-hmm. we are ones who ensure rest for others. And that's emphasized
0: more in the Deuteronomy one. Yeah. Which fits because they're going into the land. Of and... course.
1: <laughs> right. But but it's already it's here. here. Oh, it's it's here. already here, you yeah. know? And then and of course, you know, honor parents, which maybe you're kind of moving you're still looking at, it's a, it's a love neighbor reference, but an, an up, still an yeah. up neighbor kind yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if we think of De- um, Deuteronomy as expanded decalogue, I mean, that's where the, you know, things about priests and kings and judges and prophets get thrown into that section of the authority uh. section. So, but then now you just, you really look at, um, you know, with you shall not murder, then it's really about you know, how is God's society, God's people, how are we going to interact one with another? Now it's, And it's beyond that, too. Um, again, expansions, different places, even in the covenant code that's coming next, are going to move into how these laws are also applicable to those who live among you, you know, the stranger, the foreigner, the sojourner, however we want to translate that among you. But, But I mean, you know, all Which already
0: of, got a shout out in the Sabbath.
1: It did already. That's <laughs> true. It already did. You know, but these then, um, you know, I don't know if I if I have maybe anything specifically definitive to say on the shortness, except it's just, these are going to be the foundational things. Um, you know, I I can't love my neighbor who is not living, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah right. Right. The fact of... <laughs> There's a reason why this
0: one comes first. It's
1: got to be first, Right. But then, you know, the the ways we keep faith among us as well, really, in all the next four, right? How we're going to establish relationships that that are faithful in different kinds of ways to those amongst whom we live. Um, th- so, I think these four, just maybe, or these five, sorry, are are that those more foundational pieces, knowing that they all get expanded upon in different ways in different directions. Then throughout the rest of the law, Old Testament, New Testament, you know, get defined and expanded, thought about from different angles as well. Do you have any thoughts on it? What's your...
0: Well, I have a new one because of what you just said there. When you were talking about with murder, you can't love a neighbor unless they exist. (laughs) So it's kind of foundational. The parallelism then between that and the first word slash command of the Decalogue, Mm -hmm. I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of, right? So the the love and faithfulness directed to God has to start with there being a, a God that exists, a God that has entered into some kind of covenantal relation and has revealed his name so that you can respect it, right? Who has served as creator and has opened up this Sabbath practice, right? All of that just kind of requires a sort of foundational if you're saying foundational if all if these five are foundational to the broader kind of social uh, codes that are going to have to be expanded upon throughout the rest of the book of exodus then the murder command is kind of foundational of the foundation it's the most basic right right and then that the same works for the first half of the decalogue right it's if he's not existing and in relation to us then the rest is just you know empty religious talk yeah
1: so the the ways in which I deny life to those around me are, uh. are then going to not allow me to love you know that you know that's the way we're going you know we think of those the law and the prophets hanging on those two commands you know if you if what's hanging there well first don't don't murder, don't kill, yeah. um, because then, you know, then you, you've eliminated the ability to do that.
0: First, do no well, harm, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and the thing, you know, I sorry, I'll, I'll say a little bit more on this one just because, of course, I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Um, the, the other places, you know, that we go and, and kind of see expanded legislation on murder, you know, there's the idea of killing without intent and then killing the same you know this same word it comes and you know it's interesting how it even comes into us i mean in our context us legal code probably legal codes around the world with malice aforethought is usually how it gets translated but it's just who in advance beforehand hated mm-hmm. i mean it's it's the the you know that word the idea of hatred and then of course jesus's expansion in matthew and and with anger you know, that, that hatred and anger become the, the soil and the food that nurtures the seed that will become murder. Um, and so then what, what are those things I'm playing with? You know, what are those things that, what then is the environment that will not nurture i mean obviously no hatred and no anger but are there other things that we can Uh, expand on environments that will kill the seed of you know that would grow into murder that seed of sin that may be there
0: yeah especially Um, if yeah yeah, especially if you take so the sermon on the mount could be seen as kind of prophetic you know uh expansion and, and execution of the law to kind of call out how to live this And it could also, and or as a kind of wisdom tradition, a kind of, you know, notice what happens. Why not just deal with the anger? Right. And then you will have fulfilled the command. Absolutely. Um, Because he says, you know, you've heard it said to the fathers long ago do not murder. But I say to you, he's not saying, don't, oh, you can murder all you want, just don't be angry. Like he's obviously saying something about, you know, getting at the root of the problem, which has a kind of both prophetic and sapiential kind of function. Indeed. And I bring that up only to say that that's then relevant for us as preachers and teachers of the word is we're often, and I think that's relevant, especially when preaching on the law, is to think, okay, most of the rest of the Bible is in fact people uh, interacting with this law, (laughs) this Torah, right? This covenant and its commands, right? And so often i think of preaching as 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 extensions of the prophetic traditions and wisdom traditions within scripture themselves it's not always just expositing the text in front of you it's sure. saying okay in our time what does it mean given the way that things are currently going how are we falling short of this law yes and right
1: or or in danger of in danger yeah, of yes yeah coming
0: And then the wisdom tradition way of doing it is more the kind of practical, like, observation, like, you know how, where murder comes from, (laughs) you know?
1: I'm kind of noticing that all the murderers are angry. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But there could be other things. things.
0: Like you said, what denies life, right? Yeah. I don't know if you resonate with that prophetic, sapiential ways of kind of thinking of what are, because it's not like, what am I going to do, get up on, uh, get up in a pulpit and, and like, add additional laws to obey. Like I don't have the authority to like, you know, and of course there is just work of interpreting the law. And I think that has value too. I'm not saying we can't do the more rabbinic approach. Right. But there's something about either prophetically or in terms of wisdom kind of offering, like how to live this out. Right.
1: And, and what are the ends that we come to when we don't? (laughs) And what are the ends we come to when we do? What life gets created? when we do this, I mean, in 13, you know, it's, it's not just the act of not denying life. Is there then the response of how do we give life? How do we nurture life in others? I mean, so that again, that's expanding in both directions. I think prophets tend to do that, right? You keep going down this road Mm -hmm. and this is where you're going to end. You turn And keep go down this road, and and those are the grand visions, exactly the visions and the and the you know the the imaginings of of life, you know what life becomes, Um, and so I think that maybe is what we're in 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 what you're saying here, kind of what we're what we can we're called to maybe think through as we walk in these.
0: Yeah, and I think a sermon, and we may want to talk in the next segment a moment here about if you were to engage in a sermon. On the whole text if you're not in a series right, right. I, I think we've been kind of focusing on what do you do if you have to just on one you know yep. but uh but in a uh, well, so we'll get to that in a moment but with this one wow that's kind of funny I just lost my train of thought that doesn't happen very often well it actually happens quite often <laughs> but I usually catch it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Before it gets lost. <laughs> oh, well, Nathan, uh, you, you were... get
0: to decide whether to leave this in. It could be entertaining. Leave it in. Leave it. No, you know. Well, so, if you were,
1: th- I mean, can I pick up? Run I mean, with it, please. If you're thinking about how to preach the whole, is that is it that picture of w- what is the end if we go yeah. in the direction of 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 rebellion against these words, these. These invitations, these gentle calls of our loving God who's willing to come and not withhold from us the the quote unquote rules of this relationship, though he's already noted this relationship is established, but he he's not withholding from us the the life that he wants us to have, but he's gently giving it to us. But if we if we if we're gonna act in rebellion, against it what does life lived yeah. in that direction end with and conversely what is the picture of the life that results from living this right what does our what is our community and and what is then the impact of our community on the world around us mm-hmm. when this life gets created in us yeah
0: no that's so good yeah that actually reminded me what i was going to say it's that i feel like that that has a natural structure to a sermon, whether it was on one on one commandment or, or the whole set of 10 is, you know, clearly putting it in its covenantal context um, and then moving into what goes wrong, you know, and then painting that vision of what it's going to look like when you turn the commandment on its head and actually live it out, you know. Thou shalt not murder... You know, thou mayest, you know, flourish in life yeah. and cause the, you know, and seek the flourishing of other lives, something like yes, that. You know,
1: absolutely. And if if I can jump to verse twenty,
0: oh, that's perfect. Well, actually, let's put a pin in that. Let's start with okay. that right oh, okay. after but the break. But make sure I let's, connect. Oh, that's it to where, this. We'll okay, where we'll start. We will start. Okay. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with uh, my guest, Elaine Bernius, and we are looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17, but um, that's a terrible place to end, <laughs> and we agreed on that at the beginning. We are like, well, let's just go with it, and then we'll expand when the time's right. So I, I would strongly recommend, if anyone's preaching on the whole passage, to go at least to 21. And so would you be willing to read—I mean, part of it is just kind of you could even feel it when you were reading and you just got to the end of the covet command. It's like, now what? (laughs) And also just, it it begins with narrative and God spoke all these words. So we need some narrative on the back end. So would you be willing to read the narrative from 18 to 21 uh, right now? And we can kind of incorporate that in as our sermon starter. uh.
1: Sure. Verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, The people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us (laughs) lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Oh, man. See, that's so good. It's <laughs> so good. I know. Don't leave that part out. It's so good.
0: So do not fear so that the fear may be before you. I know. Isn't that I love it.
1: great? I love it, too. Exactly.
0: Although fear of him may be before you implies it's kind of like, be aware of what a fear relationship is going to look like. Yep. And fear that. Right. Right. You
1: align yourself against God, you should be very scared. Yeah. You, you aren't afraid, even as Moses is, to step into the thick darkness where God was when we respond to mm-hmm. what he gives us. Right. When we, when we live in responsive obedience, do not fear.
0: Yeah, and spoiler alert, that thick darkness of of God's glory is going to inhabit the people in the temple, but in a way that they can handle through a tent of meeting, mm-hmm. um, not just this terrifying distant at the top of a mountain. So, you know, this this intimacy is intended for more than just Moses.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but for now, the people are like, uh, why don't you just talk to him for us? And God accommodates that, that desire for distance. Right. But the end game by the end of Exodus is to have a temple in which this glory can abide. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, already just by chapter 24, you've got the 70 elders and Moses right. and Joshua, and and they sit and they eat and they drink with God. That That is one of 20, chapter 24. I can't remember what verse it is One of oh, my favorite, it's like one of the most mind-blowing verses in the Bible. I'm, yeah,
0: I want to go there. That's oh, great. Okay, sorry. I, no, that's so good. Oh,
1: it's just so... I mean, um, verse 11, he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and they ate and they drank.
0: And it says they saw the God of Israel in Mm -hmm. verse 10. Yep. No one has ever seen God.
1: Right. And This is Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders. I mean, there's this progression that comes of, you know, God says, stay away. Yes. But then he shows them, no, you can approach me. And he's, it, but it's...
0: First Moses. Moses. And then... Then, then the I elders. Think, well,
1: I think Moses and Joshua at the beginning of that chapter, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Mo, sorry, Aaron. Maybe Joshua's later. But I you mean, know, I mean, there are the moments when Joshua goes up, you know, he shows them that you can both enter into my presence and come out again safely. But at this moment, of course, back in 20, they are so scared and they're trembling actually in 19 the people tremble and the mountain trembles it's the same exact word <laughs> oh really of what the people do and what the mountain do um, does but that's back in 19 i'm pretty sure
0: but that so just says that at the beginning of this episode we kind of emphasized the covenantal context of verse 2 kind of looking back to 19 especially yes. as well as back to genesis 1 and 2 but but really 19 is really key that's the near context of yes. He already is your God. This isn't, here's the things to do to become my people. Exactly. I am your God. You are my people. I am yours. You are mine. Here's what it looks like to be mine, right? Then at the end, introducing the context that comes after is then so critical. Yes. To locate the commandments in the context of the story and where it's headed. The telos, the the end game, the consummation of this is nearness and intimacy. And no, you do not have to... Run to the book of Matthew or to Romans to get that, although we need those too. but that 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 nearness and intimacy and and it's 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 a it's a sign of a failure of Christian imagination when the lectionary ends the text with seventeen because it's this kind of like want there's this tendency for Christian interpreters of the Hebrew scriptures to want to set them up as the problem to which the New Testament's the solution. Indeed. And And that's really easy to do if you just leave off the solutions internal to the narratives
1: themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Like, so, uh, anyway, I just, that's a rant that I go on from time to time, and I know that you sympathize with, so I'm preaching the choir here. But there may be some listeners who haven't thought about that. Oh, yeah, I guess the Ten Commandments aren't just to make me sad so that I go run to the cross. Like, this is actually rooted in love and inclusion, then this is a way of life that's internal to that, and we get a little piece of that already in eighteen to twenty-one. Even though they're scared, it's a scare. It's a fear that has a a purpose. Indeed. Would you be willing to say more about testing?
1: Oh, um, what does so, that
0: mean to test them?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, you've already gotten it. Well, of course, the maybe the one we go to most quickly is Genesis twenty-two. Um, the binding of Isaac story mm. that is prefaced with God tested. So, so the reader is never in doubt that this is not a God who is going to require child sacrifice, right? He's building. He's building Abram Ham's trust in him. I think. I think all. And then most more immediately in the Exodus context, um, there are the tests in as they've come out of Egypt, in 50, I think it occurs in 15 and in 16, this testing of, um, you know, are w- will they rely on him? Will they trust that he is going to provide for him? So the provision stories mm-hmm. um, um, that are, as they come out. And so huh. this this idea of he's testing them, he's laying out something for them to respond to and they're going to see the implicit in that is they're going to see if they respond, what is provided for them. Again, the life that they will get, what this kind, this kind of living will create for and in them. So I, I, that's how I I play with test there. I mean, you can do it's It's a great um, a way to meander through Scripture, taking that word and going through all the contexts where God tests. Now, of course, then you know the people also test God using that <laughs> same word, but it's always negative. It's it's wh- it's where they are displaying that they don't trust Him. You know, and and He responds in those cases as well.
0: Yeah, well. The word test is being used in both cases for the same reason. He tests them because they don't trust him yet. Right. <laughs> they test him because they don't trust him yet. They don't him trust yet. him
1: yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it all boils, keeps boiling yeah. down. to Yes.
0: Wow. I never connected that testing. And to think then of the commandments, the, the 10 words, though they are foundational of for faith and practice in important ways, they're also, this is just one, this is also just one more narrative alongside... Uh, the manna story, or the you know, the quail story, or the the water from the rock. These are, you know, incidents of God making a move and just awaiting their response, and then responding to their response yes. and finding a way that both uh, punishes and disciplines, and yet also then provides. Because I mean, they're gonna immediately break this for depending how you number a first or second commandment not right. too long from now, mm-hmm. which itself will then be the beginning of okay well there's going to be atonement and we're going to walk you through how that works right <laughs> <laughs> so he even has built into the plan a uh, a mechanism of responding to our poor response to his bids right
1: well and you see i mean well that probably is too far straight but just really quickly the provision stories that have happened right before this coming out of egypt before they get to sinai then you get more cycles of provision stories in Numbers, in the Exodus cycles, there are, there's no there's no um, form of divine judgment or punishment, right? When they are are failing to trust, you get that in Numbers. So you do get this progression mm. of God, you know, giving them time and multiple opportunities to trust in what He provides for them before they, you know, experience the, you know, the the judgment out of his love to draw that yeah. back to him.
0: Yeah, snakes and such.
1: Yeah, Indeed. well, that's way back. That's way. That's way later. <laughs> that's way later. <laughs> you can do that next time. No, yeah, It's great. Boy. What a great yeah. one. Yeah. No.
0: But yeah, no, because of the water scene and the the some of the provision scenes are kind of repeated exactly. in numbers, yeah. but with a, a tougher edge in terms of punishment. Indeed. That's a helpful uh, explanation of that distinction. Right. And, you, and and every parent knows this. You don't punish it the error the sometimes the first times cause you hadn't even laid the law down because you didn't realize they didn't intuit that you don't do that. <laughs> right. And so then you explain, okay, you can't do that. And then even then it's like, well, you're not used to this yet, but it's when it's the many times is when it's okay, there's gonna be, you know, a significant, you know Indeed. Uh, yeah, follow up to this now, but <laughs> So as we wrap up today, and we have a couple minutes, I'm not, that's not like code for be, be, you know, stop talking. It's its a specific question in the last couple minutes here. If you were to give advice to Christian preachers preaching on 10 commandments, so we're not talking about like a sermon idea, but more whatever they're going to do, So I feel like what you avoid might be more important than what you, there's more than enough to say here. There's more than enough to work with, right? If you would have some advice, especially for some things to avoid, wouldn't have to be that, but we've said a lot of positive things. What are What are some specific things to maybe not do when you preach on the 10 commandments? That makes, you can give positive. You, you don't have to do thou shalt, but uh, you can do some thou shalls as well, but what, what advice would you have? You can just be advice. They don't have to be all negative, but what advice would you want to give? And it can just be your pet peeves if you want, like how to not preach on the Ten Commandments.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, so, I mean, you, you know how we framed this Ten Commandments series that we're going through and I framed, this is just how I frame the law after a long time of teaching it is that, you know, God saved us. God saved his people from slavery, but what he's saving them for, we often say he's saving them for the promised land. But I would argue that this, this it's the Sinai moment that he's, he's saving them for forming them into his people, mm. the people who will become, um, as, as a treasured possession of his, although the whole world is his, his kingdom of priests and a holy nation, the nation that will reflect him and therefore will serve as priests for the world, those who are are the reflection of God that then draws others um, to God and spans that distance. I mean, that's what this is for. And so, hearing commands formationally as invitations into who God is and the life He created us to live, um, I think, is so vitally important. So, you know, my pet peeves on you know preaching Old Testament law is. Um, you know, for some reason, we always feel the need to say, well, we're not bound to do this, but, um, and maybe that's less so in the Ten Commandments and more so other places. And indeed, we're not bound in the way that, you know, we think of that the law is a new bondage for us, that we must you know, keep this external list. But we are formed, like we are yeah. transformed into a people in whose heart does not live hatred and anger so that we then are not a people who will kill because it's just not anymore the heart that beats within us, the hearts of flesh that God has put within us, empowered by his Holy Spirit. So, you know, trying, trying to not disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament. Yeah, you know, the Old Testament, you just had all these laws you had to follow. Aren't we glad we don't have any more laws yeah. to follow? Because and what a, you know, I, I think we can hold the text together so much more beautifully to show that Jesus isn't coming, like you said earlier, you know, to suddenly say, oh, sure, it's fine to kill. No, I mean, obviously we all know that, but it's the transformational piece that creates in us something completely different. So that as his people, as his holy people, nation, as his holy people, as his kingdom of priests in this world, um, we we are transformed to be different. Um, so I think that's, that's, I I know you said, you know, give the thou shalt not, but okay. So don't, don't, (laughs) (laughs) don't, don't disconnect, right? The God of love who spoke these words. Okay. With thunder and lightning and smoke. (laughs) And there's a reason for that, for that scary picture, but is the same God that hung on the cross?
0: Where there was thunder and lightning. Where
1: there was thunder and lightning (laughs) and a thick darkness, right? Yes. 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 So that we might be transformed into the people he created us to be, who are people who would never even have Mm -hmm. needed a thou shalt not murder Mm -hmm. statement, because in, in his very goodness, we would never have seen that and an experience of, of the world of his very goodness. So that's, I think that's what I would encourage yeah. pastors to do. Uh, it, create that picture for people to say, this is a, a part of the picture of the lives we, yes. we want to live. We were created to live. Um, what an invitation that we get to do and be this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, this is the, I mean, when God gives to Moses the statement to say to Pharaoh, so I want my people to come out so that they can worship me in the wilderness. That's not like, I used to think when I was a kid, like, oh, it's like a trick. Like, you know, that's not really why he's taking them out there. It's to go to the promised land. It's like, no, that, that's it, right? To become, and to become this priestly nation is the intent now yeah maybe Pharaoh just heard it as oh you're going to go worship and come back but that really is the intention is that is that formation of a priestly nation and so all the more so for us to think in particularly in Lent if one's preaching this in Lent which is when this episode will drop obviously you could preach it not in Lent if you did but but particularly in Lent to see the Ten Commandments again, not just as a list of things that we've failed and need to ask for forgiveness from. Although that's that's a good that's Here. a that's relevant and that's in Leviticus. Again, you don't have to go to uh, Romans to get that. But that this is a picture of the way of the cross. What it means to follow Jesus is to have no other god before the Lord. Right? It is to to treat His name with respect. It is to honor the Sabbath. And in particular, to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, in particular, the relieving of burdens that we place on others and expecting them to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you never rest at your work, you will almost inevitably cause others to never get the rest at theirs. And to honor the father and mother, right, which doesn't always mean obey or be like them. Sometimes you honor them precisely by living it, living a way that doesn't look like what they might have wanted, which is exactly what the next generation needs to do. <laughs> um, that's how you live long in the land. That's right. That's how the... You create
1: generational... Yeah.
0: The next generation honors the the wilderness generation by not acting like them.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> Indeed.
0: You know, not murdering, not committing. I mean, this is this is the way of the cross. It is. Um, that's not some other pattern um, totally ex- external to this. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And... That is a way Jesus fulfills this law. Yeah. Among other ways. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: By the way of the cross.
0: Wow, this is really cool. I had a blast with you.
1: That went way too fast.
0: Well, it's over an hour. we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Elaine. I had a great time interpreting scripture with you. Thanks to uh, Called Collective Team for their production work and promotion of the show. Thanks to Todd, Eric, and Tom for getting this show started and uh, supporting for so many years. Um, Thanks to all you listeners out there, especially those who are sharing the show and get the word out about it. Appreciate you so much. With that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.